International Baptist College is a dynamic ministry of Tri-City Baptist Church in Chandler. IBC offers three Bachelor of Arts degrees and four graduate degrees. The professors at IBC desire to teach students how to think, live, and lead from a conservative biblical worldview. Whether you are pursuing a degree or laying a biblical foundation for your life, IBC will mentor you into ministry. Please check out our website at ibconline.edu or call 1-800-IBC-4858 for more information. This is not a deep theological message. It's a very practical message about how we do ministry, including worship. And so let's take a look. What are the elements of this New Testament church? First of all, you have the reception of the Word. Celeste Montague. Welcome to Dare to Stand, a radio ministry of Northwest Valley Baptist Church in Glendale, Arizona, featuring the teaching of senior pastor Dr. Kevin Shaw. Dare to Stand is on the radio to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to all who will listen, to carefully teach the truth of God's Word, and to encourage a healthy lifestyle of worshiping and honoring God. For more details about Dare to Stand or the ministry of Northwest Valley Baptist Church, please visit www.daretostand.org or call the church at 623-581-3115. You can receive a free MP3 copy of today's message or the entire series in MP3 format for a small fee by contacting the church. Well, today we begin to wrap up our study on the subject of worship. The Lord has much to say throughout the Bible about how we are to worship Him with our hearts, not just our ceremonies, by remembering what He's done for us, by listening to what He says, and by receiving His mercy with gratitude and thanksgiving. Today, Dr. Shaw brings us part one of a message titled, Early Church Worship as we study how the early church began to worship the Lord in the book of Acts. We'll also hear some personal stories from Pastor Shaw as he shares how his body of believers at Northwest Valley Baptist Church have worshiped the Lord over the years. Let's listen now. Here's Dr. Kevin Shaw. Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 41, as we see worship now beginning in the Local church, New Testament. How did that work out? Worship in the local church, New Testament. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. It says, Then they gladly received, by the way, this is right after Peter's message on the day of Pentecost. It says, Then they gladly that received his word were baptized the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. 120 to 3,000 in one day. That's church growth. And they continued steadfastly in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. So we're getting ready to start a church. I was 
you know, clean slate, blank slate. We have no building. We have no particular place to meet. We have a small group of people. We could do whatever we wanted, basically. So what's a New Testament church supposed to be doing? Now, I was in this particular place as a young pastor. This particular passage of Scripture became helpful for me in guiding us to what the church is essentially supposed to be doing. Because what you have here in Acts chapter 2 is the New Testament church exploding into existence. They have 120 in the upper room, but now on this first day of this day of Pentecost, 3,000 people are saved, and immediately they have to start functioning not only as a church, but as a megachurch. So how did that work? What were the things that were essential to New Testament Christianity and worship, because worship is intertwined with all of this, what was essential to New Testament Christianity and worship? Now, first of all, you had the scariness of this immediate growth. I was uh, in seminary, and we would meet with a group uh, on, on Monday with Pastor Jordan, and he would talk with the young men who were planning on ministry about all the things that he was learning and things that were happening in ministry. It was kind of this mentoring uh, relationship on a Monday. And I remember one particular Monday we came in and he said he had gotten a, uh, a phone call that morning, or we might even have been Sunday night, from one of the church plants. They were involved in doing church planting, and there was a church plant in New England somewhere. I can't remember exactly where it was. Seems to me it was in Connecticut or Massachusetts someplace. Anyway, uh, so he, uh, he got the call, and this young pastor, just fairly new in this local church, a church, you know, a little church running about like 20 people or 25 people. He said, he called, he said, Pastor Jordan, 25 people walked the aisle to join the church yesterday. What should I do? So you have a church of 20, 25. You have 25 people that want to join all at once. Pastor Jordan's answer to him was this, run. <laughs> he said, why? Isn't this great? He says, No. They can vote you out. You think that's, it sounds, you know, congregational church government. You say that sounds silly. I was just talking with uh, Thomas Overmiller, pastoring in Queens, and he was talking about a church in Manhattan. Congregation has been there for many years. They had a building. Older pastor, the church is dwindling a little bit. In, um, and, and so they had a handful of people left, so they're dwindling a little bit. And all of a sudden, by the way, this pastor ended up suing his congregation because they voted him out to be reinstated to the pastorate of his congregation, and he won. You say, how, well, how did this happen? Well, let me tell you the story. You'll understand once the story happens. So that this church is dwindling, and all of a sudden, the church starts growing. One family, two families a week start joining the church. Over the course of six months, the church more than doubles in attendance. And next thing you know, the congregation is calling for a business meeting, vote him out. Well, what was happening was that there was another church that needed a place to meet. But they didn't want to buy the property, so they engineered a hostile takeover. They started sending families to this church to join the church over the course of time till they outnumbered the people that were there. Then we're going to vote the pastor out and vote to give the property to the church that they were from. You imagine that? That actually happened. So when you go from 120 to 3,120, it's a scary thing. Now, they had the apostles, they had the 12 apostles. That was important, but this, this is all brand new. 
And this is all happening. So I, you, you say, man, wow, this is exciting. Church goes from 120. And I, you hear young pastors sometimes say, man, wouldn't it be great to like 500 people join our church on one Sunday? Uh, whatever hair I have left, I'd be pulling out. Now, it would be wonderful if that many people got saved, but I will tell you this, it's scary too. What are you supposed to do? I, I want you to notice what this church did as the hand of God was upon them. And what's fascinating is from the very first day of the New Testament church, the things that we do today were part of that church's ministry. And so let's take a look. This should be a very practical message, okay? This is not a deep theological message. It's a very practical message about how we do ministry, including worship. And so let's take a look. What are the elements of this New Testament church? First of all, you have the reception of the Word. Now take a look in Acts chapter 2, verse 41. It says, they and they that gladly received. It's interesting, received. It doesn't mean just took in. The idea of received here is the word that was used when someone received a person into their home. It was, a, it was the welcome. It was a reception. It's the come on in. They received what? Well, they received the Word of God. Now, isn't it interesting that what they did was they received the Word. That's just what we're doing here. You understand, the first thing that is mentioned that is characteristic of the New Testament church as the function of the New Testament church is being described in the book of Acts is the reception of the Word. Preaching and teaching the Word is not a negotiable part of our New Testament church experience. It is essential. It is at the heart. It is at the core. Well, you say, well, there's their worship, and then there's preaching, and worship is important, the preaching, yeah, that's okay too. No, no, worship and preaching. Where preaching is part of worship. Do you understand that? See, worship is communion. If, husband and wife, if you sit down together at the table to have a conversation, communion between the two of you, and either you do all the talking, let's just say that, you do all the talking and he says nothing. Did you have any communion? It's a one-way, you say, I'm sorry, maybe I'm stepping on toes now here. Um, that, that's not an exchange of ideas, that's not fellowship. That's not communion. See, communion, we lift up to Him glory and praise and honor, but we also receive from Him. That's part of worship. Worship is giving God the glory He deserves, but it's also receiving from the Lord as well. Dr. Shaw will be back with more in a moment. You're listening to Dare to Stand with Dr. Kevin Shaw and a message titled, Early Church Worship, our last message in our series on worship. Dare to Stand is a radio outreach of Northwest Valley Baptist Church, and you can link to the church at daretostand.org. Now, here's Dr. Shaw to talk a little about an addiction recovery ministry going on at his church called Freedom That Lasts. Hello, this is Kevin Shaw. Are you or someone you know dealing with the agony of an addiction? You cannot change what you do until you let God change who you are. 
Freedom That Lasts is a discipleship ministry of Northwest Valley Baptist Church that applies the life-transforming principles of the gospel and Christian growth to the problems of life-dominating sins and addictions. All of this happens in an atmosphere of love and accountability. If you would like to know more information about this important ministry, give us a call at 623-581-3115 or visit our website at daretostand.org. Go to the homepage and click the Discipleship Connections button. Thank you, Dr. Shaw. And if you or someone you love are in need of addiction recovery, please contact Northwest Valley Baptist Church today and get some help. Now, let's get back to our study as Dr. Shaw describes how the early church received the teaching of the apostles as part of their worship. Here's our teacher. It's interesting. What do they welcome? You say, well, it isn't the word of God they welcomed. It was Peter's message. That's true. Verse 41. Then they gladly received his, whose his, lowercase his, his word, the word that they received is the message that Peter just preached. That's what he's just finished preaching in the context. But remember this. You say, but that, so, so it isn't the New Testament. Well, actually, it is because it's just recorded there in the New Testament. So it's part of the New Testament text. So what they received was this message. It's recorded for us. It's, it's New Testament text. They received his word, his message. By the way, that New Testament text is also full of quotations from the Old Testament that that show the relationship between Jesus Christ and the Old Testament Word. And then, not only that, he's preaching and teaching the, the commands of Jesus Christ. After all, Jesus said, teach them all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And so, they're, rece- they're receiving this message. So, part of New Testament worship is receiving something from God. It is receiving God's message. It's welcoming it. And it's just so important, which it's by also, it's life transforming, that there is an open identity as believers. Uh, take a look here, um, verse 41. And with any, um, and they that gladly received his words were baptized. Now, we'll talk about the ordinances later and the command for the ordinances and, and the reason. But I, what I want you to understand here is there's also this public identification with New Testament Christianity. Man, baptism is, does that. Have you ever noticed something about baptism? <laughs> you can, if, 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 you're, if you're from a Catholic background or Mormon background or for some other religious background, and you call your family, you know, you get saved, and you're gloriously saved, and it's wonderful. You call your family and say, I just trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That's wonderful. Honey, that's wonderful. I'm glad to hear that you're having a, spirit, a spiritual experience. That's wonderful. There's usually not that much of a reaction to that. When you tell them you're going to get baptized, that's, that's when the problem ha- happens, right? Because, and there's a reason, because baptism is an identity with a body, which is, so it might be a Baptist congregation or whatever, baptism is identity with something new. Baptism also to them, now it isn't the moment you got saved, you were saved at a different time, but baptism is this public identity, but it's also a change. It means I'm, because after all, the picture of baptism is doing what? Dying to an old way of life. And of course, your family members a lot of times are, well, what's wrong with the old way of life? What's wrong with the old, what's wrong with the old religion? What's wrong with your, uh, what, was there something wrong with the baptism that you got? You know, we baptized you when you were eight days old? And so there's this sense of rejection. And there is a sense of rejection. There is, a, there is rejection. 
in that you're rejecting the old way of believing, the old way of functioning, the old way of behaving. And what all of this is, it's, it's a public identity. Folks, God did not intend for Christians to be secret Christians. Now, I understand that there are times in human history when Christians have faced persecution and death and sometimes have to had that function sort of under the radar. But even today, as Christians are facing persecution, they're, they're taking an open declaration of their faith to the grave with them. Folks, we are not called to be secret Christians. People ought to know you're a believer. It's not mean, it doesn't mean you're obnoxious about it. It doesn't mean that you're trying to make un- people uncomfortable about it, but there's no place for being a secret Christian. It's one of the reasons we're building this new building. We put the cross up on the building way up high just so everybody knows who we are. We just, it's just a statement of the fact that we're Christians. I understand people drive, you say, well, people drive by, they don't know it's a church. Yeah, they they know it's a church, but we want people to know that we boldly hold up the cross. And there's there's something about that. And so there's this public identity, and they, they had this public identity with this new group. There was this clear choice to follow. They believed, and what do they do? They're baptized immediately. You say, well, you know, they couldn't have baptized them all at once. Actually, they could have. In fact, I know that they could have baptized them all at once because they all had to be baptized to go into the temple. There were outside of the temple in Jerusalem. Um, they looked like baptismal fonts, you know, not fonts, not fonts, but baptismal tanks. Many of them, because as people came into the temple, they had to cleanse, and it was a full submersion cleansing. And they, these were there. If archaeologists have found them today. They're outside of the temple. So everybody that had to be baptized to go in, when they came out, they got baptized again. But now baptized unto Jesus Christ uh, into this new church. And so there's this open identity as believers. So what, what, are, so what are we supposed to be doing as New Testament church? Receiving gladly the Word of God, openly declaring our faith in Jesus Christ, and of course, doing that. in doing that, we fulfill the Great Commission. There's church membership, you say. Wait, wait a minute. Where do you see that in the text? Oh, let me show you. Verse 41, the end of verse 41, and the same day there were added, specific word, unto them about 3,000 souls. Now, if you're going to add something, the idea here is to, it's the concept that is in the text. You have to start with something. Things are, this is the same word that is used elsewhere in the New Testament, something is added unto me. I start with something and then I add something to that. There is an identifiable group in which people are becoming part of that group. Baptism also made them, they baptized, so now they are named with the group. We see throughout the New Testament that there were places even where they had roles. When you were baptized, you were being added to this New Testament group. And when you're added to this New Testament group of believers, there's all kinds of things associated with that. Um, so you start with something, the 120, you add something to that. And this is a group divine, defined by specific activities. They're followers of Jesus Christ. They're worshiping together. They're doing all the things that are there. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, they have made themselves accountable to one another so that when there is sin in the group, they deal with the sin in the group and put out or, re- or restore, there's accountability. You say, well, I just, this is, it's interesting, churches today in the United States of America don't make much about membership. Well, we have people that come 
And they, they, you know, we kind of let them be part. You can have a church of 10,000 or 20,000 and have a, have a church membership of only several hundred. You say, well, people don't like to be members. They don't like to commit themselves to things. And we don't want to, you know, you know, scare them away. Or Can I just tell you, every reason you give me for why you don't want to join is a reason you should. You ought to be a member of a local church. Now, I would think if you've been coming to this church for a long time and you're not a member yet, I, I would think that either that we're agreeable enough with you that you could be a member, and it's not us, then it's something about you. But whatever it is about you, change and join. Be part. Be committed together with us. You say, well, I don't want to give my testimony because... I don't want to speak in public. We'll work it out. Write it out. Pastor Jason will read it. I'll read it. Fine. We're not, we don't mean to make it an initiation experience. I promise. That's not the goal. We're not, we're not intending to try to make you miserable. But it's important to be connected to a local body. And they had this from the very beginning. Um, doctrine. <laughs> Notice. And they continued steadfastly, verse 42, in the apostles' doctrine. Now, when we talk about doctrine... Doesn't that sound very deep, theological, highfalutin word? Doctrine. You want to you be really medieval about it. Dogma. You know, that's a very highfalutin. You know what the word means? Teaching. Okay. And when we talk about teaching, it's, not, it's an activity and a content. Stay tuned. Dr. Shaw will be back with some closing thoughts on the informational and contextual aspects that make up biblical teaching. You're listening to Dare to Stand, a radio ministry outreach of Northwest Valley Baptist Church in Glendale, Arizona, where our teacher, Dr. Kevin Shaw, serves as senior pastor. Northwest Valley Baptist Church is located at 4030 West Yorkshire Drive in Glendale. That's just south of the 101 at 40th Avenue. Come visit our new worship center. Sunday worship service is at 9.30 a.m. Adult Bible studies and Sunday school for all ages are at 11 a.m. And Sunday evening service is at 6 p.m. Child care is provided for all services. Wednesday evening activities include prayer meetings, children's and teens programs. Northwest Valley Baptist Church also offers a quality traditional Christian education for your children, grades K through 12, at Arrowhead Christian Academy, located right on the church property at 40th Avenue and Yorkshire Drive. For more details about the church, kids programs, this radio broadcast, or to register your kids for Arrowhead Christian Academy, please visit www.daretostand.org or call 623-581-3115. Dare to Stand is a listener-supported radio ministry. We encourage you to consider supporting this program with a tax-deductible donation of any amount on our secure website. And as our way of saying thank you, we'd like to offer a free CD of Dr. Shaw's teaching and help you in any way we can. So please call Northwest Valley Baptist Church today, 623 623- 581-3115. You're always welcome to join us for Sunday morning worship at 9.30 a.m., Sunday evening discipleship at 6 p.m. 
And you can hear Dare to Stand Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. on this same radio station. I'm Celeste Montague. Please join us next time for our final lesson in our study on the subject of worship. And now here's Dr. Shaw with some closing thoughts on biblical teaching. We'll see you next time for more right here on Dare to Stand. So when we talk about activity, teaching, there's the activity of teaching. They continued in listening to the apostles' activity of teaching, but they also continued in their teaching. Now, that's the content. That's what was being taught. For instance, in the New Testament, we talk about continuing in the faith. That is also an activity and a content. Faith is believing, but the faith is the content of, it is the things that we believe. That's the faith. The things that we together hold in common.